Well, I hope uh, mothers you have felt celebrated already or will be later this uh, after the service. Uh, truly, we are grateful to our moms. And it, it kind of hit me this morning as we had a little breakfast. It was great. All my kids were in town. Josh is here for the summer. So excited. Haley was here earlier. And uh, we got to have breakfast. I actually spelled out mom with the pancakes. Dark chocolate chip, gluten-free pancakes. Hey, I'm learning. My daughter's taught me well. But uh, it was great. But then it, it hit me. It's like, of all the moms in my life, the one that I've seen as a mom the most is actually my wife. Because I only saw my own mom for the 18 years I was at home. But I've seen her already 25 plus years almost as a mom and further. And so it really makes me appreciate and I want to say I love you, Leanne, not only as my wife, but as the mother of three amazing children. So, thank you. Amen. But being that we are celebrating Mother's Day, I did have to do a message on mothers. It's kind of one of those things, kind of like Easter, right? You've got, you got to talk about mothers. It's got to be a Mother's Day sermon. And I thought, well, well, what can I do? I've done a lot of these. I'm running out of material. You know, I've done a lot of years of Mother's Days, but hopefully this will help us, something from the Old Testament. But before I get into that, I wanted to share, you know, there are amazing qualities about mothers that I think we need to appreciate. But I came across this article that lists qualities that show you truly are a real mother. Okay, so if you want to know you truly are a real mother, here's the qualities. You count the number of sprinkles, sprinkles on each kid's cupcake to make sure they are equal. You only have time to shave one leg at a time. Okay, you hide in the bathroom to be alone. Yeah, I saw a lot of yeses on that one. <laughs> Your child throws up and you catch it. Wow. And if someone else's kid throws up at a party, you just keep eating. That's how you know you're a real mom. This is a very interesting article. You mastered the art of placing food on a plate without anything touching. Your child insists that you read Once Upon a Potty out loud in the lobby of the doctor's office, and you do it. You hire a babysitter because you haven't been out with your husband in ages and you spend half the night talking about and checking in on the kids. You hope ketchup is a vegetable because it's the only one your child eats. I like that one. You find yourself cutting your husband's sandwich into cool little shapes. You obsess when your child clings to you upon parting during his first month of school, then you obsess when he skips in without looking back. Yeah, I get some tears. It's like, oh! You can't bear to give away the baby clothes. It's just so final. You stop criticizing the way your mother raised you. And this last one. You read that the average five-year-old asks 437 questions a day, and you feel proud because your kid is above average. I like that. That was a pretty good article, right? Now, now, all joking aside, the qualities of mothers that we admire, and they do not go unnoticed, right? We appreciate these qualities. But if I were to pick one that I think is true to so many moms, those who are actually gave birth to children or are spiritual moms, is this amazing ability 
to say, everything is going to be all right, even though all circumstances say otherwise, and you believe it. Isn't that true? Like when you had your first, you know, little accident and cut yourself. How the mom could be there to comfort you and she'll say, everything is going to be alright. Maybe that first breakup, dating relationship. I know right now it doesn't feel, but everything is going to be alright. Now that's an amazing quality that moms can have, that even in the face of all circumstances, they have this faith and this hope to encourage us and comfort us by saying, everything is going to be alright. And I actually found an incredible example of this kind of mom in the Old Testament. And it's actually not an Israelite. It's a foreigner. It's a Shunammite woman. Let's go to 2 Kings chapter 4, and let's learn about this amazing quality and what it may mean for us this afternoon. One day Elisha went to Shunem, a prominent woman, who lived there, persuaded him to eat some food. So whenever he passed by, he stopped there to eat. Then she said to her husband, I know that the one who often passes by here is a holy man of God. She's talking about Elisha the prophet. So let's make a small walled-in up room and put a bed, a table, a chair, a lamp there for him. Whenever he comes, he can stay there. And you don't know yet, but the story behind this is this woman, obviously a foreigner, somehow has this all of God and this respect for God's man, the prophet Elijah. And being that she was blessed with some wealth, she wanted to be hospitable to this prophet. And that really tells us, guys, what hospitality might do for God in the way He blesses our lives. And at this point, she has no children. And yet we already see the quality of a mother there. She doesn't just get a room. She makes sure there's a bed, there's a table, there's a lamp. This is why mothers are amazing. They think of everything, right? Things that we often forget. Any of our teens about to graduate and go to college, get prepared. There's going to be the list. And the mom's going to check you off, make sure you got everything. And if you forget something, she'll probably send a gift box with it anyway. Because this is what moms do. But let's see what happens here. Because we see that this woman obviously has some godly character, a hospitable heart. 2 Kings 4 verse 11 says, One day, this is Elisha, he came there and stopped at the upstairs room to lie down. He orders the tenant Gehazi, call this Shunammite woman. So he called her, and she stood before him. Then he said, Gehazi, say to her, look, you've gone to all this trouble for us. What can we do for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander or to the army? She answered, I am living among my own people. So he asked them, what should be done for her? Gehazi answered, well, she has no son and her husband is old. And this is, this is an important fact here because obviously in this time, if your husband was old and he were to pass and you have no child to carry on your legacy or to help support you, it could put this woman in a dangerous social situation. And so obviously having a child could be a great blessing to this woman. Call her, Elisha said. So Gehazi called her and she stood in the doorway. Elisha said, at this time next year, you will have a son in your arms. Then he said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your servant. The woman conceived and gave birth to a son at the same time the following year as Elisha had promised her. You know, it shows by this woman's response that you might be caught off guard a little bit, but it actually shows an amazing quality beyond hospitality. 
It's the quality of being content. It's like, no, I, yes, the, as a woman, I would love to have a child, but you know what? I'm, I'm part of my own people. She's content. And I wonder, how content are we with what God has given us? Or do we only focus on what we don't have? Because sometimes I wonder if God purposely doesn't give it when it becomes a need. Because if we were more content and He gave it, it would actually be the gift He wants to give. Rather than just a need that needs to be met. And I think that's something to think about is, are we content? Are we grateful for what we have? But nonetheless, God in His infinite grace goes beyond her contentness and gives her a child. Now, however... Just because we have a blessing in one part of our life doesn't mean we'll have blessings in every part of our life. And we see this in this story as we continue, as we go to verse 18. The child grew and one day went out to his father in the harvesters. Suddenly he complained to his father, My head! My head! His father told his servant, Carry him to his mother. So he picked him up and took him to his mother. The child sat on her lap until noon and then died. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut him in, and left. She summoned her husband and said, Please send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys so I can hurry to the man of God and come back again. But he said, Why go to him today? It's not a new moon or a Sabbath, she replied. Everything is all right. Really? How could it be all right? The son's dead. But somehow within this woman is this amazing hope and ability and faith in God that somehow everything is alright. Then she saddled the donkey and said to her servant, Go fast, don't slow the pace for me unless I tell you. So she came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. When the man of God saw her at a distance, he said to his attendant Gehazi, Look, there's the Shunammite woman. Run out to meet her and ask, Are you alright? Is your husband alright? Is your son alright? And she answered, everything is all right. Wow. See, even the prophet Elijah didn't know what had taken place. This woman knew. But somehow she had this ability, that, despite the the tragedy, to believe that God could make everything all right. These are amazing words of comfort, are they not? It should be us saying it to the Shunammite woman. Yet it's the woman herself saying it to those who are about to learn of the tragedy. We need to have this kind of response to the tough times we may experience in our life. That we could have that kind of faith that, you know what? Everything is going to be alright. Let's read on and see what happens. Verse 27. When she came up to the man of God at the mountain, she clung to his feet. Gehazi came to push her away, but the man of God, leave her alone. She's in severe anguish, and the Lord has hidden it from me. He hasn't told me. Then she said, Did I ask my Lord for a son? Didn't I say, Do not lie to me? So Elisha said to Gehazi, Tuck your mantle under your belt, take my staff with you, and go. If you meet anyone, don't stop to greet him. And if a man greets you, don't answer him. Then place my staff on the boy's face. The boy's mother said to Elisha, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So he got up and followed her. Gehazi went ahead of them and placed the staff on the boy's face 
But there was no sound or sign of life. So we went back to meet Elisha and told him the boy didn't wake up. When Elisha got to the house, he discovered the boy lying on his dead bed. So he went in, closed the door behind the two of them, and prayed to the Lord. Then he went up and lay on the boy. He put mouth to mouth, eye to eye, hand to hand. First CPR ever recorded in history right there. While he bent down over him, the boy's flesh became warm, but not alive. Elisha got up, went in the house, and paced back and forth. Then he went up and bent down over him again. The boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Elisha called Gehazi and said, Call the Shunammite woman. He called her, and she came. Then Elisha said, Pick up your son. She came, fell at his feet, and bowed to the ground. She picked up her son and left. This woman shows incredible quality of hospitality. She shows incredible quality of being content. And then even in the face of tragedy, she had incredible confidence and trust that God could make everything all right. There was determination. She got all the way to the prophet and would say, no, I'm not going with Gehazi, I'm going with you. And we see that even though Gehazi obeyed the prophet, it didn't work. And even when Elisha himself prayed and it didn't work, he got warm and it still hadn't worked, Elisha didn't give up. And eventually your son was brought back to life. Now, as we've been talking about God's will, His decorative will, which means the will He declares and will happen no matter what, and then His preceptive will, which means we can choose to not believe or disobey, what would have been God's will in allowing this child blessing that she didn't even ask for to then die, and now this blessing of bringing the child back? See, if this is where we ended the story, we would never know. That God's will is so much larger, that He is so much more sovereign, and that we truly do need to trust Him when He tells us everything is going to be alright. Because there's another story with this mother that takes place a little bit later. Let's jump to 2 Kings chapter 8. We're going to see if whether she really still believes that God is a God like the moms who can say it with confidence. And God can say it to us, everything is going to be alright. In 2 Kings chapter 8, verse 1, it says, Elisha said to the woman, whose son he had restored to life, Get ready, you and your household, and go live as a resident alien wherever you can. For the Lord has announced a seven-year famine, and it has already come to the land. So the woman got ready and did what the man of God said. She and her household lived as resident aliens in the land of the Philistines for seven years. Stop there for a second. The prophet was looking out for her. He came and warned her, there's a, there's, a, there's a famine that's coming. You need to just trust that God's going to work out everything. It's going to be alright. Did she believe it? Yeah. She took her household... She moved to another country and lived as an alien for seven years. That's incredible trust, is it not? What if God called you to do that today? Would you trust Him? Would you believe when God tells you that everything is going to be alright? Or would you only look at the circumstances? 
Now, she was obviously still remembering, hey, you, you brought my son back to life. I'm going to trust you. But what about when you come back and you hit another roadblock? Let's see what happens next. When the woman returned from the land of the Philistines at the end of seven years, she went to appeal to the king for her house and field. In other words, she came back and what used to be her property is now taken. She has no home. So she has to go to the king to appeal, hope that she might get her, her possessions back. Could there have been a moment of doubt right there? And yet she still has that confidence and determination that somehow God is going to make everything all right. So now you might ask yourself, well, why did God give her her child, take her, him away, and then bring him back? Perhaps that was for a larger story. And only by trusting God can we realize that that very tragedy was actually going to be used by God to make everything better later. Look what happens here. It's very interesting. In this time that she goes to the king, the king had been speaking to Gehazi. That's the servant of Elisha. The attendant of the man of God saying, tell me all the great things Elisha has done. Do you see God's sovereignty here? Of all the things the king could be asking at this moment, Gehazi, the, the servant of Elisha, is there. And what does the king ask? Hey, tell me about all the cool things Elisha did. That's crazy. While he was telling the king how Elisha restored the dead son to life, the woman whose son he restored to life came to appeal to the king for her house and field. So Gehazi said, My lord, the king, uh, uh, along with all the... the you know, like, this is the woman. This is the son. Elisha restored to life. What? Re them? How crazy is this? Think about it for a minute. If the son had not been born, even though she didn't ask for it, if the son had not died and then been brought back to life, there would be no story to share for her to get her household back. This is how God's will works, guys. Sometimes He reveals it. Sometimes He doesn't. We just have to trust, like this woman, that when God tells us, like moms who can say it with confidence, everything is going to be alright, we need to believe it. Let's see what happens. When the king asked the woman, she told him the story. So the king appointed a court official for saying, Restore all that was hers, along with all the income from the field, from the day she left the country until now. What would have happened if there had been no miracle to share? be a different story, would it not? See, all I love about this mother is this determination, this confidence, this trust, that no matter what the circumstances, that God, when He says everything's going to be alright, it's going to be alright. I hope that we, with the same confidence, can believe that as well. Because, guys, I don't know what the future will bring you. I don't know what will is going to be hidden from you and what will God will reveal to you. But you're going to be faced with these circumstances and these situations. But you know what you need to do? You need to look back at the history of how faithful God has been to you. 
I know we have special missions coming up next week. And for some of us, you might be going, Oh man, my taxes didn't come back as well. I haven't been able to do it. Look back to the past. What has God done that's blown your mind? And believe that He can work everything out. I mean, Leanne and I were challenged by the teens, man. They, they've been doing some stuff that we, at first, I'll be honest, I was like, I don't know if that's going to work. And now they've raised almost, what, $1,000? 500 500 That's awesome. It's crazy. You've got to ask them what they did. I don't want to steal their thunder, so you ask them. But I'll be honest, I was like, I don't know if that's going to work. And it worked. I'm like, I'm, I'm faithless. Lord, forgive me. Somehow they believe something. Everything's going to be alright. Do you believe God can do that for you? Think of those times in your life where God has done an amazing miracle. There was a reason for that. It wasn't just for then. It was for the future as well. When I think of communion, I think what a, what a better place, what a, what, a, what a better example of God giving us during a tragedy those very comforting words. Everything's going to be alright. I want to close with these two passages in Romans. Romans 8.28. We love this passage. We know that all things work together. Not all things are good. There are plenty of hardships, tragedies, suffering, unknowns in our life. And they're not all good. But with God, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. God can use anything for the good. She not only got everything back, but also the profit of those seven years. What is God willing to bless you beyond what you can imagine right now in your life? I think we've got to have the faith of the Shunammite woman and go, okay God, I'm going to believe you. That despite what I see, despite this hardship, despite this suffering, despite this unknown, I'm going to believe that you, when you tell me everything is going to be alright, I'm going to believe it. And isn't that what He did at the cross? Even as we realize that our sin crucified the very Son of God, as we read further in Romans 8, verse 32, it says, He did not even spare His own Son, but offered Him up for us all. How will He not also with Him grant us everything? Do you realize when God allowed His own Son to die on the cross, even there God was telling us, guys, everything is going to be alright. But you've got to trust Me. You've got to believe in Me. You've got to believe that I can work all things for the good. Not all things are good. This is not good what happened to My Son. But I'm going to work it for the good. And He's going to make everything alright. As we take the bread and the cup, no matter what your week has looked like, your month has looked like, your year has looked like, I hope you can see through the tragedies, you can see through the suffering, you can see through the unknowns, and see God on the other side, saying to you like a mother says with confidence, everything is going to be alright. Let us go to God in prayer. Lord God, we come to You now thanking You for the cross. Thanking You for not denying the fact that it was horrible. That it was evil. And that we are responsible for it because of our sin. And yet, God, You did not leave it in that darkness. For just a few days later, 
you conquered death. You raised your Son to life. You showed us that death is not the end. And that if we will repent and we will believe and we will trust and we will follow, that what Your words say to us, even in those darkest times, is true. Everything is going to be alright. Help us to live like the Shunammite woman. Hospitable, content, determined, and trusting. Help us to show the world that only through Christ truly can we believe, no matter what the circumstances, everything is going to be alright. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.